Greetings to all of you and welcome you back for the Sunday morning service to listen to God's word. Let's close our eyes and look to God. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you for giving us one more Sunday, Lord, to come to worship you, to praise you, to seek your face and to listen to your voice, listen to your words, minister to us, cover me behind the cross, speak to me, speak through me, and let our lives be transformed. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Last week, we had such a wonderful word on the Holy Spirit as water. The metaphor water was explained so beautifully by Pastor Sunny Prasad. And um, I felt in my spirit that we should continue to uh, minister on the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I want to share with you on the fruit of the Spirit. Parents want their children to be fruitful in life. Athletes want to win laurels for their country. Professionals want to achieve their targets and reach heights of success. Companies want their employees to show excellent results. They want the company, they want the, the, the employees to do the best. And all these are nothing compared to what God's desire is for you and me. He wants you and me to be fruitful in life. That's the heart of our Father God. He wants you and me to be fruitful in life. Think of it. Fruitful. How nice it is when children are fruitful in their life. When athletes win laurels for the country. What joy, what happiness to the country, to the parents, to the family. How much more your Heavenly Father and my Heavenly Father will be thrilled to see our lives being fruitful in this world. John chapter 15 and verse 9. Jesus said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. He says, as a disciple, this is what the Father desires in his heart, that you will bear much fruit, that we will bear much fruit. Through this, the Father is glorified. We were created originally for his glory, and sin spoiled and marred, the image of God inside you and me. Now we are crafted into the true vine to be the branches so that we can bear much fruit. Not just little fruit, much fruit. And mark of a disciple is fruit bearing. Jesus said, you shall know the tree by its fruit. Yes, you shall know them by their fruit. A good tree brings forth good fruit. That's what Jesus said when we all know that. If you have a garden, you will know how much you desire that your tree bears fruit. We have one and every day we check the improvement. It excites us to see in the little tree some flowers come out and then little fruits appear. I wanted to tell you, your God and my God is mightily thrilled when we begin to bear fruit. And uh, we will hear the scripture being read, Galatians 5. 16 to 26. 16 to 26. It's a beautiful scripture. Yes, you can continue to read. As you listen to the scripture,
first I want to uh, take us through the fruit of the spirit. Now I request uh, them to play the slide. Two aspects of fruit bearing. The first implication of living in the spirit is having the fruit of the spirit on our lives. God's virtues flowing through you and me into this world. God's virtues flowing. Yes, self-control. God does not need self-control. He is absolutely perfect. Self-control is given for you and me as an additional virtue so that we can reflect the glory of God. And the second implication of living in the spirit is a fruitful life, good deeds and good works. That's the heart of God. He wants us to bear fruit, the fruit of the spirit. And then he wants us to be fruitful in our spiritual life, good deeds and good works flow through us. That's his desire. And the fruit of the Spirit consists of nine virtues. Love, joy, peace. The first three, it deals with the soul's well-being. The first three deals with my soul's well-being. And the next three, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. It deals with believers' relationship with others. And the last three, faithfulness or faith, meekness and self-control. Principles for the believer's proper conduct in this world. Yes, see that list. The three, first three, deal with soul's well-being. The next three deals with the believer's relation with others. And the next three, principles for the believer's proper conduct in this world. N.T. Wright one of the finest New Testament scholars says it is the character formation in us, in the, inside you and me, the fruit of the Spirit. It's God's virtue in us through the power of the Holy Spirit because we are followers of Christ and Christ lives in us and gives us the Holy Spirit. Living in the Spirit with the fruit of the Spirit is real you and me. The real you and me, that's what God intended. The original image of God was formed that we can reflect God in this world. And now the redemption story is not complete without God beginning to transform you and me and allowing the fruit of the Spirit to flow through you and me. Aristotle, one of the finest Greek philosophers, spoke of the cardinal virtues and among them, Many cardinal virtues and among them four main things he list. Courage, justice, temperance and prudence. Now the fruit of the spirit is not just uh, ownership of Christians alone. That's what God intended for the world since the image of God is still there in people's mind. Though yet we find some of the fruit still in operation in people's life. And a person, a Greek philosopher... He talks about courage, justice, temperance and prudence as cardinal virtues. And now the Spirit of God tells us there are nine, nine virtues, the virtues of God to be reflected in and through you and me. What a glorious uh, hope that you and I have. What a glorious responsibility you and I carry to reflect God in this world. Living in the flesh is easy and we don't need to learn or someone teaches how to live in the flesh. It comes naturally for you and me. Anyone can live that life. Anyone can live that life. Anyone can have that vice. But to live a virtuous life, 
to live a life filled with the fruit of the Spirit, it takes an effort. Someone said it takes thousands of small decisions to live a consistent, virtuous, or a life of bondage. You take thousands of decisions that can lead, good decisions that can lead you to a virtuous life, or you can do thousands of wrong decisions that can lead you into bondage. I remember when I was a little boy, my grandmother was a great influence. She used to teach me one thing. She said, Prem, you put some things in one place. Don't put here and there. Leave it in one place so that you will find it next time. Let it become a habit. She used to teach me. And as I grew up, I started to follow that. I followed when she was to, used to tell me. And then I followed when, she, uh, when I began to grow up. And even now, I know where I leave my car keys. I know where I leave my purse. I don't search for it. Even in my study room, most of the time, yes, sometimes as a human, I misplace it and search for it, but 99% of the time, I'm able to know where I keep my things. The reason is I have been taught and I practiced that. It became part of me. It is so with the right decisions we make. It will lead us into a life that will be virtuous. But yes, for a Christian, we have the fruit of the Spirit. We have the Spirit of God building inside you and me to do that. Not by our effort. Please don't get me wrong. Yes, there are certain good habits we can form because God has given us wisdom also. But there are some spiritual things. To be spiritually minded, the Spirit of God works in, 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 uh, in and through you and me. We choose to live the life of commitment or the way of Compromise and the way of commitment or the way of compromise. Way of commitment leads us to the cross, but will lead us to the crown. Remember that. But the way of compromise will lead us to confusion and then lead us to condemnation. We are called as royal priests, rulers and priests. That's what it means. Rulers, we have to reveal God's wise and virtuous rule to the world through the way we live. That's why we are called as royal. Priesthood, because we have to take the praises that comes from people through the life we live back to God. It comes from God and it goes to God. That's why you and I are royal priesthood. To bear fruit, there is a huge opposition. Remember that. It's not easy. It is the flesh. Yes, our own flesh. Yes, Satan is the challenger, but unless our flesh cooperates with him, the, his purposes are not fulfilled. You and I have to cooperate with the satanic forces to fulfill his purpose. C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, a great man of God, gave an example of a young preacher who was preaching one day in the pulpit and Charles Spurgeon was seated in the audience, in the congregation. And as he was, he was preaching on the full armor of God, and he was boasting about the full armor of God that he has got. And then he openly challenged. He said, I am wearing the whole armor of God. Where is the enemy? Bring him out. Charles Spurgeon whispered, he is inside the armor. Yes, my dear brother, my dear sister, the enemy, real enemy is not out. Yes, he is there. But we also should remember the number one enemy is myself, my own flesh the weakness, the shortcoming that you and I have. And the works of the flesh are mentioned in verses 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are 
adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who live in the fleshly desires cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And to counter the works of the flesh, we have the help of the Holy Spirit. Works of the flesh is an effort put up by us, but the fruit of the Spirit is what God produces in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Works of flesh is naturally happening in our lives, but the fruit of the Spirit is produced supernaturally by the power of God. There are three scriptures which I want you to note if you have your Bibles. You can turn to Galatians 5. Verse 16, he says, walk in the Spirit. And then verse 18, he says, led by the Spirit. Verse 25, he says, live in the Spirit. All these three verses are interrelated. Walk in the flesh, led by the Spirit, live in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, I want to bring to your attention. Say, I say then, because he was saying something else previously. He's saying, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the flesh comes from our old nature. Walking in the Spirit brings the fruit of the Spirit in the open. One study says, we'll play that slide. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The word walk in this verse is a military term used in secular Greek literature to describe rows of soldiers marching in step. If every soldier watches his commanding officer and keeps in steps with him, then he will also be in step with every other soldier. So walk in the flesh is similar to a military term. One commentator says, I look to my commanding officer and I walk in step with him. And as I walk in step with him, I walk in step with the other soldiers. That's your Christian life and my Christian life. Walking in step with the Heavenly Father, we will be able to walk in step with my brothers and sisters in this world, with the family members in the society. I told you, if you read the previous verse from verse 13 to 15 in Galatians 5, you read about the descent, the problems, and then he talks about love. Having said that, I say then walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the spirit is a life of surrender then, and reliance upon God and living in harmony with others. We'll see the next slide. Another commentator says, the Greek verb, verb means to walk about. We find in the verse as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. He mentions walking, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. It has a connotation of fellowship. As we read about Enoch and Noah, and they walked with God. 
the intimacy of the most superior quality. Walking in the spirit is developing an intimacy with God. The very word intimacy for a spiritual soul, for a spiritual man inside should cause delight and intimacy with God. And then prophet Amos uses it in the sense of agreeing with God. He said, do not walk together, do, do, sorry, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. Agreeing to his divine will and direction. So to summarize, walking in the spirit is a life of surrender and reliance upon God. Agreeing to his divine will and direction. Fellowship and intimacy. Having a desire for God. Love for God. Sharing your heart with him. And knowing his heart. When you share your heart with him, you share everything. You share and tell him, Lord, this is my life. This is the sin that is in me. Have you any time be open to God and told him about your intimate shortcomings and failures. Friends, I want to tell you, he's the only person who can hear your pain, your shortcoming, your addictions, your bondages, and he will understand to deliver you. I speak from experience. I speak from experience. I'm not ashamed to confess. There are many times when I've gone to God and said, Lord, this is my life. Can you do something out of this? And God has been so gracious. He has done the surgery that only he can do. My dear brother, my dear sister, Israelites walked in the desert and Moses told them that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. They walked in the desert for 40 years and Moses said it is not just bread, it is the word of God that is important for you. That's what God told through Moses to the people. They had to call upon God and to trust in his strength to defeat enemy and to move forward. They need directions from him to know his will, when to move, when to go, how to do. You find that in the same thing in the life of David. They had to take directions. Moses had to take directions from God, rely on God for food and water and for every other need. Intimacy and fellowship for a believer is developed as you and I begin to listen to God's voice through the word of God, through the precious word of God. And also take what you read back to God in prayer and say, Lord, there is a difference in my heart. There's a difference in what I read. I don't find the fruit of the spirit in my life. I want you to bring a transformation. I want you to work this out in me. And as you depend upon him, the spirit of God will begin to work. Immediately you won't be transformed, but the work starts. And the Bible tells us, he that has begun a good work in you will complete it. He will complete it. And only in the garden of God, the tree will bear the fruit of the spirit. The garden of God, go into God's presence and be devoted to be there. And Paul said in Acts 27 and verse 23, For there stood by me this night an angel of God. And then he said, To whom I belong and whom I serve. Whom I belong. To whom I belong. To whom I serve. 
you know, you don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to your husband, to your wife, to your children, to your family. Yes, you belong to them emotionally, but the real you, the inner man, belongs to him. And as Paul said, to whom I belong and whom I serve, let that be a vocabulary in our prayers. Lord, I'm yours. I'm devoted to you. A complete, he was talking about a complete devoted life for the master. A life that abides in Christ. And the Bible says he is the vine and we are his branches. In the midst of your work, other responsibilities, your heart and love belongs to him and him alone. Wherever you and I are, maybe watching a match, football match, maybe at work, maybe in your friend's circle, maybe you're watching a TV. Everywhere, please note, you belong to him and him alone. And your love belongs to him and him alone. Nothing else, no one else. First and foremost, it's him. Today, the work culture is so tough. But how you take time for what you want to do reveals what, you are, what appetite you have for. You are busy, yes, we are all busy. But in the midst of all this, what is the little sacrifice you want to make to be with God? God is not asking you for a big time. All that God is asking is your heart, my son, my daughter. Give me your heart. I want your love. I want you to be part of your life. I want you to give prominence to me. You can take time to go into God's word, to be with God, to talk to him, so that the nature of God begins to form inside you slowly and steadily. After school, college and work, we return to our home and we all relax at home and nourish ourselves with some good food and care from our families. Wherever we are, work, school, college, travels, we come back to relax at home, enjoy home food, enjoy home atmosphere. So a person who is walking in the spirit will always be at home with God. No matter how busy he or she is, no matter what the work culture is, no matter what the pressure is at work, there will be a longing to go back to read God's word, to study God's word, to meditate, to interact and to seek his face in prayer so that you develop an intimacy with God. And in that intimacy, God begins to pour out his virtues inside you and me so that these virtues begin to be reflected first in the family and then it goes to the community. I told you, he said in verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit. So if you read the previous verse, it talks about relationship. So here, I wanted to emphasize that the fruit of the spirit is developed in a family setting first. And then in the church, the community where we live, because the challenges come there and how we seek God's grace to change, to, to, to be built inside us with his nature will really begin to form the fruit of God inside us. We must ask God's help to moisten our dry hearts with the water of the Holy Spirit. Last week, you heard a beautiful sermon. We all heard the water, the spirit of God how he can flow into dry places and bring new life, healing and life into us. 
Wherever we go, because we are full of the Spirit, we can bring healing and life into the society, into the people's life. We must ask God, yes, let your river flow. Let your river flow. Jesus said, he that believeth in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The, the temple of God, originally in Ezekiel, Ezekiel as well as in the Revelation, says from the temple of God flow, from the throne of God, the temple of God flowed the river. You and I are the temple of God and through you and me, this river can flow. Our life lived in the flesh is a life lived independent of God. A life lived in the spirit is a life that is lived dependent upon God, dependent upon his direction. And verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. I just wanted to uh, ask you to please remember this very important, these two scriptures that I'm going to quote. Not that you and I are free from the law so that we can do what we want. Some of the people who propagate certain Doctrines say, yes, you're free to do what you want. There's no restriction. You're under grace. You're not under the law. You don't have to follow this, follow that. I want to give you two scriptures that will really make us understand what the law is. It means uh, you and I need not have to keep the law, but the Holy Spirit will help us to keep the law. You and I have to depend on, you and I need not have to struggle to keep the law, but you and I depend on the Holy Spirit to keep the law. That's what it means. We are not under the law, but under grace. It's not that the law has got power so that we respond to the law, but the Spirit of God has transformed everything so that the Spirit of God will help me to do what the law requires. Two scriptures I want to quote. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 7 and verse 12 and verse 14. It's going to come on the screen. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Think of that in Romans. Paul writing in the heart of Romans. The heart of Romans is 6, 7 and 8 chapters. And here he says, Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy, just and good. If anyone tells you that we need not have to keep the law, remember the scripture. You and I have to honor the law. That is, respond to what, what the Lord demands from you and me, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So the law is holy, the, law, the commandment is holy, it is just and good, and the law is spiritual. That's what Paul says. So walking in the Spirit is our responsibility, but being led by the Spirit is the Spirit's responsibility. As we go into God's word, he will lead us into a deeper life with God. With his word and intimacy for superior and stronger. It will become stronger and superior as we go into his word. And the intimacy will begin to build stronger and stronger. Paul writing to the Ephesians in chapter 1. You can see that, or see that on the slide. Ephesians 1, 70-23, please I request you, AGAG community, all of us should have these prayer points in our daily prayer for our spiritual life. Please pray this prayer sincerely from your heart and see the difference it's going to make in your spiritual life. Amazing scriptures, amazing thought of God for you and me, the plan of God for you and me. Ephesians 1, 17 onwards. 
Paul is telling the Ephesians, I keep asking, I keep continuously, I'm keeping, I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Just think of it. Give you and me the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know him better. Today, there are many people who want different revelations. They want revelation to do certain things. But may you and I stick on to have a wisdom and revelation of God that we may know him better. The better you and I get to know him, the better the influence of his spirit will be in you and me. In verse 18, he prays like this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. My heart has got eyes. Your heart has got eyes. The doctor will not believe it. Don't worry. It's nothing to do with medical science. It has to do with heavenly signs, spiritual signs. He says, uh, "My the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and me. And then he goes on the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And he explains from verse 20 to 23 about that power, 19, second part onwards up to 23 end, he explains about that power. He says that power is something which God exerted on Jesus. Can we read that please? He says that the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fulfills everything in every way. That is the prayer for you and me. We can use that prayer. So when you and I begin to do this, and seek God to know Him better, to have an intimate relationship with Him, the fruit of the Spirit will begin to develop in you and me, will begin to show forth in this world. It's beautiful. And then I wanted to tell you this, double portion is of the Holy Spirit is not the quantity of the Holy Spirit, but the quality of our intimacy with God and the amount we allow the Spirit of God to have an influence on our lives. Can I repeat that again? Double portion is not quantity of the Holy Spirit, but the quality of our intimacy with God and the amount we allow the Holy Spirit to have an influence in our lives. Longing for such a life, and as the Spirit of God begins to work, the fruit of the Spirit will begin to be manifested in you and me. And in Galatians 5 and verse 22, he speaks about coming back to the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control or temperance. And against that, there is no law. There's no restraint. You can do any amount of this. There's no control over this. You can go on and on. And he encourages, encourages us in the next verse, our old nature is crucified 
and we are dead with Christ and now you and I can bear fruit. You know why it is possible? Spiritually, the real old frame is dead. The old you, put your name, you are dead. Your old nature is dead. That's what has happened. Because of that, there is a freedom for you to ask the Spirit of God to work so that the fruit of the Spirit is revealed in this world. Verse 24, he said, Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. It is done already. And hence we have the capacity to bear the fruit. It is like, you know, the Spirit of God has done everything possible for you and God has done it. And all that you and I have to do is understand, believe it and come to Him and ask Him. Never say these things only for certain saints. There may be people in monastery, people who are living somewhere all alone with God, like Rishis. No, it is for you and me as we live in this world. And Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. And Galatians 5.25, he said, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, and he shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And if we live in the Spirit, he says, let us also walk in the Spirit. So that means, it is like a cycle. Live in the Spirit, and then we will begin to walk in the Spirit, more and more. And as we begin to walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And instead, we will begin to bear fruit. What a beauty, how God has planned for you and me. You and I can have it. You wanted it. I want it. All the time. You begin to taste it. You don't want to give up. You would like to hold on. Live in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but instead you will bear the spiritual fruit. Living in the Spirit involves searching our hearts in the light of God's Word. I mention that often. A garden gets affected by pest, blight, mold, parasite, weeds, suckers in the plants that draw the energy away. It needs care and pesticides to keep the harmful insects away. Recently, my wife and me, during this lockdown, we are growing a beautiful bean uh, plant, beans. It's growing beautiful, the leaves are fresh and green. And yesterday, by chance, I just tapped those leaves. Suddenly, from under the leaves, we saw a lot of pest coming, flying. And we began to take action immediately. Yesterday, we, began, we sprayed, and even today, we sprayed some uh, organic uh, uh, material so that those things are removed. In our spiritual life falls in this garden for us not to bear fruit. Sometimes because of our busy schedule, because of our weaknesses and shortcomings, we allow some of these things to come, this pest to creep in and make us unfruitful. It needs care and it needs pruning. So you and I have to take steps uh, to confess to God and ask God to help us. Deal with it. Put to death through the help of the Holy Spirit. Take steps constantly. It needs pruning also. Sometimes for it to bear fruit. I was reading, we have, an aura, we have a lime plant and uh, wanting to know how, why, the, why the limes are not turning yellow. They said if you have too much of leaves, it won't turn yellow sweet. So we started to prune so that the fruit is becoming colorful. Pruning, correction. We are 
it's important that you open ourselves to somebody very close, someone whom we respect and trust and tell them, please tell me what is wrong with me, wrong with my life, with my teaching, with my preaching, with my life. How can I correct with my, the way I talk, the way I behave? Did I say right? And you, you and I have to take immediately. It is, it is dangerous, yes, but it is not harmful. It is risky, but it's not harmful. Are we open to correction? Do we justify anger? Is there a real repentance for sin inside you and me? Are we saying, Lord, change me, bring that transformation in me? It is like inhaling and exhaling. You exhale impure air and you inhale clean air. You exhale confession to God and you inhale correction that comes from God, the Spirit of God, the strength of God that comes into you and me, moment by moment. Roman Catholic monasteries practice solitude and silence. It's good if you and I can take some time to be alone in God's presence. We are busy, not, if it's not possible for a whole day, at least maybe three hours, four hours, just to be with God, search your heart in the light of God's word. St. Francis, in his introduction to the devout life, points out just as birds have their nest on trees to which they occasionally retire, and the deer have bushes and thickets in which they conceal themselves in order to enjoy the cool shade and the heat of the summer, so too we should choose some place. And he stresses every day, either on Mount Calvary or on the wounds of our Lord, or in some other place near him, as a retreat to which we may occasionally retire to refresh and recreate ourselves amid all our exterior occupations. And there are, is... And, and there, as in a stronghold, defend ourselves against temptation. To go in, to be with God. Solid, solitude, alone with God. Lock yourself up. And there in the solitude and in the silence, search our hearts and check out the motives from time to time. Why did I think so? Did I think so right? Why did I think so? Searching the motives, the underlying motives of some of the decisions, some of the words we speak, some of the decisions we make, some of the things we may not even express through words, but there are certain thoughts within us that comes. And the Spirit of God knows, and which when you are living in the Spirit, you will begin to uh, express it to God and say, Lord, I don't want this, change me. And we can confess these unwanted thoughts, desires, feelings, imaginations, motives, and uh, will that is contrary to the cross and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The three things I want you to remember. We'll see that slide. We lived in the flesh. We were conditioned a lot by so many negative influences. We have justified negative living, thinking they are small sins or not even thought those are sins. We were selfish and never cared for the feelings of others most of the time. It's always been I, me, myself. And also our family backgrounds have played a major role in shaping our worldview and our mindset. Some of the things that you and I practiced, you and I have in us, has been passed on. We have learned, we have learned from our four fathers, from our grandparents, from our parents, from the place where we grew up. I remember my father was very passionate about a particular political party. And while I was growing up, 
it influenced me a lot. And even now, to some extent, that political party's uh, policies influence my thinking. I know that. Sometimes I think whether this is right. Yes, but some, some things are really good, some things are not good. So I don't want to appreciate that. I wanted to appreciate the good ones. I grew up with maids cooking and thought this is the way food is prepared. This is the only way because all the time it was maids who were cooking in my home. And when I went to catering college, I realized there are many thousand ways of cooking food. I, I saw another different taste. And then when I got married, my wife started to cook differently and, and lovely. And I realized that there are more than more than thousands and thousands of ways of making of food. I learned something and I thought this is the way it is done until I went into the catering college when I was 19 years old. My dear brother, my dear sister, we are conditioned in our old nature for a long, long time. And we are out of Egypt, but Egypt is still not out of us. We are connected to the evil world every day. And that life flowed into us. Uh, you know, we were connected, sorry, we were connected with the evil world for long, and that life flowed into us. And now to get that influence out, we must remember a few things. First one, let's see in the slide, our identity in Christ, we are new creation. Old things are passed away. He has crucified the flesh. The old things he has crucified. Our new position is Christ. We are seated in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. As I mentioned in Ephesians uh, about uh, the prayer, he said that Jesus was raised and made to sit in heavenly realms far above the principalities, power, dominions, and thrones. And God has raised us up spiritually and make us sit together in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus know our position and also our responsibility to live that new life with the help of the Holy Spirit. And verse 17, he says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Yes, you wish. You and I wish to do some good things, but we are not able to do because there are two things. One is the spirit is motivating me and wishing me to do good, but there is a flesh that is warring against what the spirit wants. So that the Bible says, I'm unable to do the things that I wish, wished by the spirit of God. And Jesus said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It, has, it is like two different roommates. Imagine living together in a room. One roommate is very orderly. The other roommate is very disorderly. And you, after your bath, you remove all the dirty clothes, you come and put it in the basket. But your roommate is hanging all the dirty things after bath and coming away. And you go into the bathroom and you find the dirty clothes. You definitely will have a conflict. It is so inside you and me. Our flesh and, our, and the Spirit of God, there's a battle. But praise God, make you and I can be happy. The spirit is not giving up. The Bible says the spirit against the flesh. That's the beauty. Yes, I am not able to do what I want to do, wish to do. But the flesh is lusting. But the spirit is fighting. Yes, that is an encouragement for you and me. So you and I can lean on the spirit of God and say, Lord, produce in me these fruits. The nine fruits I want to repeat. Love, joy, peace, 
dealing with our soul's well-being, long-suffering, gentleness and goodness, the believer's relationship with others, faithfulness, meekness and self-controlled principles for the believer's proper conduct. One has to decide what, what you want to believe your life is linked to. Is it linked still to the old nature, which is already dead, has no value, or you believe that you're raised up to sit in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus to enjoy that life for the spirit, for the fruit of the spirit to be seen in and through your life. It is very encouraging. Walking in the spirit makes it impossible to fulfill the works of the flesh. That's what he said, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's confident saying you will not. That's what it says. And, but it makes it possible for us to bear a fruitful, godly character. Someone said, fame is a vapor. Popularity is an accident. Riches takes wings and only character endures. Character is not that we possess the fruit of the spirit. Please note, character is not we possess the fruit of the spirit. But the spirit of God through Jesus possesses you and me. That is the character that God wants to form in you and me. When a glass of water containing water, when a glass containing water is tilted, only water will flow out. If the same glass is filled with dirty water, when you tilt, only dirty water will flow. My dear brother, my dear sister, what are we going to fill our lives with? Take a decision now and tell him, Lord, I want to have the fruit of the Spirit. I thank you that on the cross, you made everything possible for me. You died, you suffered, you shed your blood. Today you have given me a spirit. I want to lean on the spirit. I wanted to give concentration on the fruit of the spirit. My life is dry. As we heard last week of beautiful sermon, there is the water of God wanting to gush into you and me. And through you and me flow into the nations. And the Bible says wherever the river flowed, there was life and there was healing. And you can and I can be that blessing in this world. Let's look to God in prayer. God bless you. Father, we commit this time into your precious hands. Father, we thank you that you did everything for us on the cross of Calvary. Lord, I can't do anything to undo my past, but I can do everything by believing in your word, by coming to you to study your word, to meditate your word, to pray, to seek the help of your Holy Spirit, taking conscious effort to put away from me the works of the flesh, to, to fight against it with the help of your spirit, moment by moment confessing the weaknesses to you, being open for correction from people. Lord, you prune me, Lord Master, you change us and let your fruit be revealed in and through us into this world. Father, you're a wonderful God, you're a beautiful God. We want your life to flow into us through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you will do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.